Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, can we shout his name together? Come on, can we glorify his name together, Anchor? Come on, can we give him some praise in this house? Jesus, we're here for you. We've come to glorify you tonight, Lord. We've come to give you praise tonight, Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. The wonderful presence of the Lord that we feel here. One more time, why don't we just clap our hands, thank the Lord for the wonderful presence of God that we feel here. Y'all singing another song? Okay. Okay, I just making me nervous. I'm I'm new around here again. So I don't know what's going on. I just maybe they're waiting for a good word. Somebody need to get prayed for? Come on down. Let's go. <laughs> oh man, it is good to be home. And it's good to be preaching here. I have missed the anchor and love this church so much. I am uh, as you're turning uh, to Matthew 5 and 6, we'll also read Psalm 34 and 8. Um, you can pick one. The other one will be on the screen. But I, I am, I am, um, especially in light of recent events, I am just so grateful and so honored uh, that I could be preaching to you uh, in this sanctuary behind this desk. Uh, of course, I want to just say very quickly how much that this church and how much I uh, love and honor and respected Bishop Ferris. Uh, it would, I would not, it would not be a stretch to say that there wouldn't be a church in Pickerington. There wouldn't be probably, I, I'm not sure that I would have a ministry uh, if it wasn't for Brother Ferris. 12 years old, pulled me off to the side and saw a future in me that I didn't even see in myself. And, um, and help develop that in me. Let me preach as a 14-year-old kid once a month. Could you imagine? Uh, Brother John Hine is in there. John was the good preacher. I was the, I was the one that started us off. Brother John always closed us because he could, he could do altar calls. Um, I think I preached f- five minutes the first time I preached and said, you know, 56 times. And um, it was just... But he gave me an opportunity to preach and to minister. And uh, in a time where there was transition at 15 years old, he asked me to lead the youth group. I look back on that now and I'm, I, I respect him, but sometimes I wonder. <laughs> but I, it was just a privilege to uh, grow up under, under Bishop Larry Ferris. And so I just wanted to just make a couple comments that I'm just so grateful for him and his family and, and his investment in my life. And then, of course, our amazing pastor. We love Pastor Bounds and his wonderful family, don't we? Amen. <clears throat> so grateful for him being so kingdom-minded, having a heart for the things of God. And uh, I am just grateful. <clears throat> I'm just grateful. For the time that we spent here and the time in transition trying to plant a church in the middle of COVID, being down here, and you've loved my family and treated my family no different than, you know, if we lived right down the street or if we live an hour away and you've treated us so well and loved us. And my kids uh, love this church, and I think they're a little disappointed they don't get to be at the anchor anymore. So 
because we are having weekly services now in Pickerington. So excited about that. And God is doing some great things there. My wife and my kids are here. And uh, my mom and dad came in to hear me preach. And so love them very much. Matthew 5 and 6. <clears throat> There's just so many friends. I wish I could say, I wish I could just... Uh, I could just walk down the line and just say how much each one of you mean to me. Uh, I mean that. I, I just, I love this church. Uh, uh, you have an, an amazing, and I'll say this, as probably his best friend. I want you to know that you have a man of integrity as the assistant pastor of this church, Brother Cody up to grave. And I have, some people it's easy to admire from afar. It's not so easy when you get close. Uh, now, I'm not sure that I would admire Brother Cody, but I do respect him. No, I do admire and love him very much. But you're safe with his leadership and their leadership. And they're apostolic to the core and believe this gospel. And so you're safe with the leadership of the up to graves and, and obviously the bounds. Matthew 5 and 6. Blessed are they which do hunger. Everyone say hunger. Look at your neighbor and tell them, are you, ask them, are you hungry? Are you hungry? And thirst. Everyone say thirst. After righteousness. For they shall be filled. Everyone say full. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Psalm 34 and 8 says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Everyone say he's good. Blessed is the man that trusteth. Scripture is full of a lot of analogies in Scripture. It's, he is a spirit. They talk about different things. But one of the most amazing things that I hear us talk about, even in church today, you know, we talk about God wants to take you to a new level. Or, you know, I've heard people say in the same service, God wants to take you to higher highs and deeper depths. Which one? Maybe both. But it's interesting that you find throughout Scripture so many examples of when we taste something, when we get a bite, oh, taste and see. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Taste. Any of you ever look at something and just think, man, that looks good, but then when you get a bite, your senses just explode? You know what I'm talking about? That's the same way with the relationship with God. And I'm going to have you seated in a moment. But can I tell you, that's the same way that it is with your relationship with God. You might look around here today and you might be your first time or your first few times here. You're just kind of figuring out your way. Let me encourage you. If you'll just come to this altar, if you'll just take a moment, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, be baptized in Jesus' name, I promise you there's a taste that'll turn into a hunger and you'll want more and more. It might look good from the outside, but promise when you participate in it, it'll change your life forever. Amen? Let's lift our hands and let's ask the Lord to speak to us for the next few moments. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your presence. God, I pray that you would anoint my voice. Let me speak as you would have me to speak, God. Let me have your heartbeat as we preach the precious word of the Lord to these precious, amazing people of the anchor. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to preach just for the next little bit. And I know y'all like when Anthony comes to town because you know I'm not going to be long-winded. I'm going to preach this for the next little bit. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm hungry. You can be seated. I'm hungry. 
I, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I like to eat. I got any amens in the house? I like to eat. Come on, anybody? I heard, I heard somebody say one time, nothing tastes as good as fat. I can think of a lot of things that taste as good as fat. When they're talking about diets, well, you know, no. I can, I can think of a lot of things that taste better than being skinny, okay? I used to preach about being skinny. Now I preach about being overweight. <laughs> You've seen the full circle, anchor. But I like to eat. I like to eat. And, uh, but actually just recently we had a little competition between my cousins, Tiffany and Ryan Pinner. Listen, if y'all could do me a favor, well, I just say what happened. So we decided we're going to go on a Disney trip in the next couple months and we're going to go together, but we're going to have a little competition to see who can lose the most weight between my wife and, and Tiffany and Ryan. And so we've kind of made this competition going on and I've, I've started Weight Watchers. Thanks for laughing at me. Thanks for laughing at me. I appreciate that. All my other friends do it. So I started Weight Watchers. So if y'all could do me a favor and just take Brother, Brother Ryan, Sister Tiffany, take them out to the fattest restaurants you can take them to. Give them cheeseburgers, cake. Give, make sure that they get blessed. Could y'all just bless them the next few weeks? Y'all help me out here. I'm hungry though. Can I just be honest? I'm miserable. I ate a banana today. I hate bananas. Because I'm trying to curb my appetite. I'm trying to make sure that I, I keep everything in line. Y'all, I see some of y'all really laughing. I don't appreciate that. I like to eat. Man, it's no wonder when I was praying, this is the message the Lord said on my heart. I just drive past restaurants now and just salivate thinking about carbs. I like to eat. I'm hungry. Can I be honest with you? I'm desperate. I want to eat something. I don't feel full ever. How do you people do this? I eat like a cheeseburger a day on average. Now I'm at zero cheeseburgers a day. And I like to eat. And I've noticed though is that with not eating and with trying to stop eating, I don't know about anybody in this house, does anybody ever get hangry? I'm not talking hungry, I'm talking hangry. That if you don't eat, watch out, because there's a hurricane coming through. And you like, you, you, you just, you gotta eat. You gotta eat. I, my friends all know that Anthony's gotta eat. There's that Snickers slogan, as you see up on the screen, but they say this, they say, you're not you when you're hungry. And they show these commercials and they got a, a, a you know, a, a Betty White and a football helmet and he takes a bite and turns back into a strong football player because you're just not you when you're hungry. Amen? Things change when you're hungry. There's some things that happen to us physiologically that, that we, just, we just get a little hangry. We just get a little angry. We just, we want to eat some food. And uh, I know when I come to Zanesville, I think of one thing. Go ahead, Brother Ethan, help me out here. I think of one thing, heaven on earth, Tad's pizza. Is anybody hungry in the house? I got anybody up close? You hungry? No, 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 no. No, he's got his hands out already. You see that? He's it. I just want you to smell it. Are you more hungry now? I'm hangry. 
You're about to get more hangry. You're about to have to get the Holy Ghost after this. But that response to seeing something when you're hungry is a whole lot different. Amen. And I'm going to talk just for the next for the little bit, the next little bit about our responses to hunger and what that means and what that looks like. Man, this is the best object lesson I've ever had in my life. Look at that. That's a Picasso. See, there's three responses to you when I showed you this pizza. How many of you are full? How many of y'all think, how many of y'all just saw that pizza and thought, I, I don't even want to get close to it, right? Because when you're full, you don't need it anymore. When you're full, when you have enough, you, you're just going to reject something that maybe a little bit later you'd be hungry for. Be laying in bed at night thinking, man, I wish you'd have gave me a piece of that pizza. <laughs> Should have stopped at Tats on my way home. You see, let's talk a little bit about, though, the responses to hunger. Number one, everybody say number one. Rejection. Everybody say rejection. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12 says it this way. They are prophesying of the promised land to come that the people of the children of, or the children of Israel would inhabit. And it says, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. He said, you didn't do this. Can I say this from the outset of this message? Is, uh, I was going back through pictures, getting a little nostalgic, seeing pictures of, of, of the church that moved in here to Marietta Street in around the year 2000. I remember seeing those pictures and thinking there's a, not a lot of people left from those times. We're in something, including me, we're in something today that a lot of us didn't help create. But it's been a build, a goodly city, which we didn't build, but it's still our responsibility to make sure that it gets carried on. I've come to preach this to the church just for the next little while. We might have a great church and we might be a part of a great thing, but let me tell you something. The church is always one generation away from extinction. We've got to make sure that this doesn't end with us, but it makes sure it's propagated to the next generation. That's why youth ministry and children's ministries are so important to make sure that this is propagated to the next generation. That's why it's our job as parents to make sure that we're living something, the same thing in church as we are at home. Because the millennial, well, let's just keep going. Verse 11 says, this sounds a lot about, this sounds a lot about like modern day Pentecost to me. And houses full of good things which thou fillest not. And wells digged which thou diggest not. He said, you didn't do the work. Vineyards and trees which thou plantest not. And then watch. When thou shalt have eaten and be He said, you've been given so much that you don't even want what you need. I wish I could preach to some folks in this room right now that you might feel a little full, you might feel a little indifferent when you walked into service, but if you'll realize that what you need is right here. I've seen a lot of people come and go over the generations, but can I tell you the people that stuck were the ones that never got full, that never got tired of coming to church, that never got indifferent about things, but they're the ones that said, I'm still hungry, I still need to move, I'm not indifferent from this thing, I don't want to be full. I don't want to be full of things that don't matter. 
don't want to be full of things that are not going to push me towards my destiny. But watch verse 12 says, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You hear me right now. When you're full, you become forgetful. You forgot about where God brought you from. You forgot about all the things that God has done. And you get more upset about the sound system and you get more upset about the volume and the temperature than you do about lost souls and people that need God. Can I tell you today, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where... We can't forget where God brought us from. We can't get caught so caught up in issues and things going on with one another that we forget. That we forget where God brought us from. That we forget what he's done for us. Beware lest you've eaten and gotten full of what you've experienced. I watched and I've watched over the years as so many people and people have walked away from the Lord after just being solid for five and six and seven years, but they just, they, they started looking on the wrong things. They started getting full of junk that doesn't matter. Well, I saw this person go into the gas station and they bought something they shouldn't have. And, and can you believe that they did this and they did that? And then all of a sudden, our relationship with God becomes more predicated on what somebody else is doing than what God is doing in our lives. I'm trying to preach to you right now to help you. You got to stop looking at what other people are doing and start worrying about what God is calling you to do. Their journey is their responsibility, but your journey is God's responsibility and you've got to follow on the path that God has for you. Does this make sense? There is a major danger of all of us getting used to what we didn't create. It's easy to be critical, but it's really hard to build up. I've seen a lot of people say, I want to be in the construction business, but I've not heard a lot of people say, I want to be in the demolition business. Because it's what is glorified and what, is, what lasts is what we build. We cannot forget about what we have, the houses, the wells, and vineyards of our past. We cannot take for granted for what we have. We have got to make sure that we're plugging into the kingdom, that we're plugging into the church, that we're plugging into the, the calling of God. Hear me right now when I tell you that if we pay, fail to participate, the church will stagnate. We've got to make sure that we're investing, that we're giving of ourselves of time and prayer and fasting and whatever the church is going on. I, I appreciate everything that pastor's been doing, man. There is, a, there is a, a wave of the Holy Ghost that's being written all across this area. And can I tell you today that it's not too late for you to get involved in what God is doing. It's not too late for you to get plugged into the Holy Ghost to get plugged into this church. I'm telling you today, if it's your first time, if it's your 50th time, there's a place for you to get involved. And when you get involved, you get invested in the kingdom and God puts destiny in your life and God puts purpose in your life. But when you're full, you slow down. You care less. You sleep more. Come on, after Thanksgiving turkey dinner. I don't care who's around. I'm falling asleep. But when you're full of, but when you're full and you see something that's there, 
But when you're full of the wrong things, it takes you away. It takes your attention away from where you really need to be. So can I just talk to you for a moment? Just like we're just buddies. What are you full of right now? What do you have in your life that may be hindering you from truly being hungry for the things of God? What is it? Man, that's a great example of the things of God. That's all I know. What is it in your life that's stopping you from truly reaching out to God? One of the biggest things as an evangelist that I've watched, and I've seen God do amazing, miraculous things in services. I was in a service uh, when I first started evangelizing. It was one of the first places I went, and I traveled and went and preached. And you got to preach good when you go evangelize somewhere, because if you don't preach good, you don't get to come back. And as Brother David Smith says, don't preach, don't eat. So I went to go preach at this church. The Lord started moving and started doing a great work in there. Man, the power of the Lord was rocking in throughout that house. And then all of a sudden, a a, a family came and said, would you go pray with this young lady in the back? And I said, yeah, absolutely, I would. I said, hey, you know, what's going on in your life? And she says, she said, I I have an inoperable brain tumor. And they are going to go try and do exploratory surgery to see if there's anything that they can do. But they're just going to open me up and very likely close me back up because there's nothing that they can do. It's the size of a golf ball and it's in my brain. I laid my hands on her head and we prayed and uh, nothing happened. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought, man, that was, a, that was a powerful move. Man, I really felt the Lord and I thought, well, I, I don't know. Sure enough, about three weeks later, I show up to an event and the youth pastor comes up to me and says, hey bro, do you remember such and such a name? I said, yeah, I do. He said, you remember when you prayed for her? I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He said, bro, you don't understand. He said, the doctor came and walked into her room and they did a pre, uh, pre-X-ray to make sure that everything was right and make sure everything is, was where it was, make sure it hasn't grown too much, just make sure that we had everything intact before they go into the surgery. And he walked into the, to the, to the young lady and he said to her, who did your surgery? She said, what do you mean? He walked her over to the x-ray machine. He put up the x-ray of the three days before. He said, this was the golf ball size tumor in your brain. He said, but look at now and put up another x-ray and the tumor was completely gone. Can I tell you today that God wants to do a work in your life? God wants to do a work. You've just got to be hungry. You've just got to be hungry for the right things. How many people have missed a miracle because they were just full of stuff that didn't matter? How many miracles have we missed because we thought that somebody would judge us if we went to the altar and when pastor called for people that need prayer? You know what hurts us the most? You know what I've seen hurt people the most is their pride. What if I go up there and somebody looks at me? What if I go up there and try to get that Holy Ghost that they're talking about? What would they think? (laughs) Here's the deal. It's 20 minutes of your life. If it don't work, go home. But I promise you, it's going to change your life forever. We got to stop letting pride defeat us of getting the victories that God wants us to win. But we're hungry. Everyone say, I'm hungry. Am I making, is anybody else getting hungrier from the start of the message? I know I am. The first one is rejection. Get it away from me. Get, get that. That's, that's disgusting. I don't want any more food. I cannot eat anymore. I cannot fit, any, fit anything more in my stomach. I'm the kind of guy that just says, well, just try one more thing. But indifference says, uh, hey, we're all going to go out to eat tonight. You want to go out? Uh, 
I can go for some pizza. I'm kind of full, but I could. I could. The only way, the only thing that I'm not like that on is ice cream. There's always room for ice cream. I don't care how full I am. Get me to a Dairy Queen. Get me to Tom. Somebody help me because I, 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 I can eat some ice cream now. Just indifferent. Just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it quite a bit, but nah, I'm just not in the mood. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I remember when I was a young man growing up, <clears throat> a young, young man growing up. And uh, I would tell my grandmother, I would go over to her house. We would go eat dinner there at least, I don't know, mom, two or three times a week probably go up there and eat, eat dinner. And inevitably, I would say, Grandma, I'm so hungry, right? I want to eat. Give me some food. And then I sit down and like three quarters of the plates are vegetables. I don't want this. I want the other stuff. I want the chicken. Just give me the chicken. I won't eat it. Let me tell you something. And what would grandma always say to me? If you're hungry, can I tell you today that if you're truly hungry, there's going to be something that God has for you. God always responds to hunger. God always responds to need. God always sees your need. And if you're truly hungry today, you can eat. You can eat. Uh, if you're hungry, Anthony, you'll eat it. Yeah. So what would I do? I'd sit there and let the vegetables get cold for 45 minutes. Ask her to heat them up and she'd say, nope, you made your bed lie in it. So I'd eat the cold vegetables. I was raised a little old school. That's all right. I don't know if I turned out good or not, but you know. Just that indifference. I'm preaching some people in this room right now that maybe you don't necessarily feel cold on God, but maybe you don't necessarily feel warm either. Maybe you've just kind of leveled out. Maybe you're looking around and seeing all the revival happening and you just think, well, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe you're seeing the altar calls when everybody's in the altar just crying and praying and seeking God and you're thinking, uh, I could, maybe next week. But Revelation 3, 15 and 17 through 17 says it this way. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. And would thou were cold or hot? What he's saying there is, is I would rather you be ice hot or ice cold or smoking hot. I would rather you be just one way or the other, but I don't want you to be indifferent. He said, so then, because thou art lukewarm and you're neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. And because thou sayest, I am rich. Can I tell you, if you're in America, you're rich. And increase with goods. And, ha and here's where America is in the North American church. And have need of nothing. Knowest now not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. What he's saying is, is because you're so blessed, you don't even realize how in need you truly are. Did you drive here today? You're blessed. Did you get a bus here today? You're blessed. See, the problem is, is that we look at our relationship with God with our Americanized culture. 
with our Americanized lens of culture and say, well, this inconvenience must be, you know, a trick of the enemy or something when really it's just life. And we make things bigger than what they truly are sometimes. But we're so indifferent to the things of God that we can't recognize what's sent from him and what's sent from them. We miss some things. We're just indifferent to it. Well, I, I, I really enjoy it, but if we're not careful, we'll get indifferent to the things of God. Isaiah 42 and 20 says it this way. Seeing many things, but thou observest not. Opening the ears, but he heareth not. He said, you are in it, but you're not of it. You're here, but you're not plugged in. And I've come to preach to some people. I've come to, I felt like the Lord kind of prompted me to reach for some people in this room today that maybe you're here, but you're just not quite all the way plugged in. Can I tell you that there is an anointing for you? There is grace for you. There is power for you. There is miracles for you. If you'll just shift the place of your hunger, if you'll just realize, God, I want to be hungry for the things that you have for me. God, I don't want things of this world, and I don't want things that this world has to offer, but you can take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Can I tell you the world doesn't have anything to offer but heartache and pain? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm, I'm the one that you can find hope in. So we've talked about, we've talked about rejection. We've talked about indifference. Well, this is the one I really want to focus on for the next few moments. And that's desire or desperation. In Genesis 25 and 19, we find the story. Genesis 19, I'll just go ahead and read it to you. And these are the generations of, Abraham, of Isaac, Abraham's son. And Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the wife of, the, of Bethu, the Syrian of Pedram, and the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated for the Lord for his wife because she was barren. She wasn't able to have children. And the Lord was entreated of them, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And, uh, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. There was a struggle within her. Anybody ever went through that struggle inside of you before? That there's a struggle between two worlds inside of you. What way do I go? What way do I truly follow? What way should I go? And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and one people shall be the stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. Now you have to understand this was the opposite way of what it went. And when her days were to be delivered and were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red and like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after his brother came out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. 
and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter and man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac, the father, loved his son Esau, and he did eat of his venison. Everyone say eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob, though, he sawed pottage. So one was meat and one was just pottage. It was soup. And Esau came from the field and he was faint. Esau was exhausted. Esau had been through some battles. Esau had been through some things in the field. Esau had been through some things in where he was just coming from. And he was coming home and he was faint, as scripture says. He was faint. And Esau, and Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, that with the same, that same red pottage, for I am faint. You see, Esau had, he had the birthright. He had everything that he was supposed to have. He was the one that was supposed to be the one that, that, that had all the blessing. He was the one that had the first pick. He was the one that was the first pick at the football game. He was the one that was going to receive all the blessings first. But one struggle in a field made him willing to give up everything that he had earned. I want to preach to somebody today, maybe some new convert, or maybe you're just kind of getting in church and you're just kind of figuring it out. Can I tell you, be careful what field you go in because if you're not careful, it'll change your judgment and you'll throw away things that don't, that matter in just the, 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 the one little moment. But you'll throw away eternal things that don't matter. And here's Esau in the field. fighting battles in the world. I don't know who you are today, but there's some people fighting some battles here. You've been struggling with some things. You've been dealing with some things in your life. You've been fighting and you're ready to sell some things. You're ready to sell that Holy Ghost that God filled you with. You're ready to give up on some things. Can I tell you that this preacher has come to preach to you today to tell you hold on to your birthright? You might be desperate, but if you'll just hold on a little bit longer, he'll give you what you need. Come on, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry, but I'm not hungry for the wrong things. Jacob said, all right. Sell me your birthright. That should have never been for sale. Can I preach to you today that your Holy Ghost should never be for sale? Your relationship with God should never be for sale. Your walk with God should never be for sale. I don't care how much you offer me. I'm not hungry for that. I don't care what you offer me, world. It's not for that. Come on, I've come to preach to you today. I've come to make a declaration to the devil today. My relationship with God is not for bargain. You can't get me to walk away from this. You can't get me to move from this. I love truth. I love holiness. I love the things of God. And it's not for sale. And his judgment's clouded. Esau says, behold, I'm at the point to die. And then he justifies his decision. I'd rather die with the Holy Ghost 
than sell out and die without it. I've come to tell you today, Jacob said, swear unto me this day. And he swear unto them and he sold his birthright to Jacob all because Esau was hungry, but he was hungry for the wrong things. That's why I don't ever judge a drug addict. I don't ever judge somebody that went through some traumatic experience. I don't ever look at somebody and look down on them and think, well, how could they do this? Why? Because they're hungry for the wrong things. He's hungry for things that don't matter. Then Jacob gave Esau the bread and pottage of the lentils, and he did drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Jacob was hungry for the promise. He was hungry for the birthright, though. He had everything else taken care of, but he had his eye on the thing that mattered. And can I tell you today, if you'll get your eyes on the things that matter, God has an amazing destiny for you. If you'll just start getting hungry for the things of God, you won't believe what he'll do. We had one of our preview services. And I tell you what, I love church planning. Because you see stuff you never thought you'd see. I know many of you know that from helping out in daughter works the way that you have. So I'm sitting there in service and uh, with planning a church, uh, I don't jump and scream too much. Now they've, now my church is kind of used to it. But when we first started, I tried to be kind of cool, but this was my first message where I really started to really want to rail back and just preach, you know, whatever. So I was preaching hard as I could. But uh, before I started preaching, I watched a, a little couple come in. And I watched as they came, sat, came and sat down. He was holding an entire rancher, entire bag of Jolly Ranchers. I don't understand why I did that, but sounds like something you would have done, Danny. And uh, comes in with just a, holding an entire bag of Jolly Ranchers. I'm not sure if it was Jolly Ranchers in the bag, to be honest with you, but we'll just keep that between us. And he says... So we go into church and I start preaching. I start preaching hard, man. I'm preaching the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to tell them, get people to change their lives. You know, change. If, if I can just get people to change what they care about. If you just care about Jesus more than you care about the world, God will change things in your life. It's just the first step is to just say, I care about the things of God. Amen. I'm just trying to get people to change what they care about. I'm trying to get them to stop caring about smoking weed and more love Jesus, okay? So I'm preaching about just change what you care about. God wants to change what you care about. So I just preach it for a little bit and I sit down and all of a sudden I look and there is the couple stand up and they just walk right out of the building during the preaching. Now, Brother Melik, I thought, surely they just got scared of the screaming. That must have been what it is. And they must have just, I had somebody come up to me a service ago and says, it took you 30 minutes to start screaming. He said, I counted. <laughs> and so so I just didn't think anything of it I actually I thought oh boy I just scared him off there goes two new converts two people that would have been touched by the Lord if I wasn't yelling I'm sitting in the chair and I'm just hanging out <clears throat> with everybody after church because listen you connecting with other people in your church might be the most important thing that you can do outside of receiving the Holy Ghost because you got to get connected to brothers and sisters in God 
If you're here today and you're struggling, find somebody to hang out with. Now, I know pastors talked a lot about ingratiating people into our lives and all that stuff, but let me just encourage you. If you're new to this and you feel like you're struggling, you ought to just go up to somebody and say, hey, will you be my friend? They're scripturally obligated because pastor told them to. They'll be your friend. They have to. <laughs> they have to be your friend. So I'm hanging out, <clears throat> talking to him, and all of a sudden, boom, my door opens up. Girl comes in. She says, is pastor here? I said, I I'm right here. She said, oh, pastor, I'm sorry. She said, I had to take my fiance to work. I'm sorry. She said, but I drove him to work clear in Kirkersville, and I came all the way back here because I had to tell you. She said, everything that you preached about is what we were talking about on the way here. She says, as a matter of fact, my fiance, he asked me, did you tell him everything that we talked about? He said, are you ratting on me? She said, no, I didn't tell him anything. He said, oh, that's amazing because we were talking about the exact, he said, she said, you were saying things word for word that I was talking about in the car. That's the Holy Ghost. That's Jesus. She said, as a matter of fact, he's been an atheist his entire life. He's had a bad experience with church. He hates church. He hates everything about it. But he said he would come this one time. And he said, she said, I looked at him and I said, how did you feel today? He said, he looked up, she said, he looked at me with tears in his eyes. He said, babe, for the first time in my life, man, I can't believe, I hope this, you have to delete this on Facebook afterwards so they don't see it. He said, for the first time in my life, I feel bad about smoking weed. And that's sweet, and that's a little bit humorous, too. I kind of laughed a little bit. But what that means is, is there's something changing in his heart. You might think it's just something small, but you ought to find somebody that smoked weed their whole lives or got been addicted their whole lives and said, hey, I don't want to be addicted anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Because when you're hungry, it doesn't matter what somebody thinks. You just want it. Can I tell you that the next service, we, we, uh, uh, Priscilla was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and that next service, her, his fiance. Because when you're hungry, nothing can stop you from getting what you need. I was sick last Sunday, so I had to pull into my church late. I didn't want to get anybody else sick and I just got about six text messages on the way here that says, hey, pastor, I'm sick. So I should have just showed up and got them all sick. But I showed up right at church time. I don't want to get anybody sick. Listen, in the days of COVID, somebody gets sick now. It's, you know, you, you got to go to the hospital and get tested and do all this mess. I just didn't want to get anybody sick. So I pulled in right about five minutes before church time. And our whole team, our greeters team was out there. And I saw somebody with a sign real big. And he was just waving that sign. And I thought, who is that? I can't. And I thought, I thought it might have been one of our boys or, you know, somebody that was helping us out. And I looked and I pulled up and showed that picture. I don't know if you can show it. The one with the, with the sign. Do you have it? No? All right. He's on my greeters team and he's out there holding the sign. Trying to get people to come into church. What started is this somebody 
that didn't even believe there to God. Now he's on our greeter team wanting people to come to church. Can I tell you I'm going to marry him next month? Because when God shows up on the scene, he starts to change the things that you care about. I wish somebody would get up on your feet right now and give the Lord some praise for changing some things in your I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Everybody else in this room that you're hungry for some things, for God to do some things in your life. True hunger. Well, I don't know if I'm just quite ready. That's okay. But if you'll truly realize that God created you so that you would be complete in him and you will never be complete without the Holy Ghost. You'll never be complete without being baptized in Jesus' name. You'll never be complete without, be, without first going through repentance. It's God's way of pulling us and changing the things that we're hungry for. I'm hungry today. Matthew 30, 25 and 35 says it this way, for I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. What he's saying, what he's saying here is, is I was deficient. And the church met me at my need. I was in prison and you came to me. saying there is I want to meet people's needs and it's the church's responsibility to do it to help do it John 21 and 17 says it this way he he saith unto him a third time Simon thou son of Joseph Jonas lovest thou me and Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time lovest thou me he said he you're upset with me, God, because you've said this a third time. You keep repeating yourself. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love me. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. He's saying, if you truly love me, you'll make sure somebody that's hungry you truly love me you'll meet up with somebody that needs this gospel and you'll share it with somebody for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ so I'm making an appeal to two groups of people right now in this room I'm making an appeal to some of you that you feel like you're just not hungry for the right things Maybe there's some people in this room, though, that you're truly hungry for a change in your life. And you're desperate. And you don't have anywhere else to turn. I've heard it said this way. If you've tried everything, now try Jesus. I promise you, the best day, the worst day in the church is better than your best day without it. 
there's a sweet presence of the Holy Ghost in this room, I want you to lift your hands right now. Some of you prayer warriors that know how to inter go into intercession, I want you to let that flow out of you right now. The Holy Ghost is going to move in this room in a few moments. Come on, are you hungry today? Are you hungry? Are you hungry for something? Are you hungry for a change? Are you hungry for a true move of God in your life? It's here. It's here. tell one more story and then I'm done. I watch as my little girl keep just let that spirit kind of pray in you. Y'all know my story with Vivi. You guys, you guys, this church better than anybody knows the story of what we went through. But if you weren't here and I'm telling that story for, for, for some of the folks that maybe have never heard it. I had a little baby girl. She was born at 23 weeks, 23 weeks and one day, one day past the age of viability. She was one pound, seven ounces when she was born and 11 inches long. The doctor gave her about a 5% chance to live, a 10% chance to make it out of the operating room, but probably she would die after that. And I watched as when I got in that hospital room and I watched as there was about 50 doctors and nurses and medical professionals, all college educated, all had everything together, all made more money than me. Probably one of them made more money than me in my whole entire life. And they were all fancy people that had a college education. I watched as my, little, as my wife got laid on that table and as they pulled my daughter out of that womb and I watched as my little baby didn't scream and didn't yell and didn't make any noise and it just and Vivi just laid limp and I watched as she didn't have any life in her body and I watched as they put her in a trash bag and I didn't know what was going on and I didn't care who was looking at me and I didn't care who was judging me and I didn't care what they thought about when they saw me crying but all of a sudden I just started to rock back and forth and I started to go into speaking in tongues and praying over my little girl because I don't care who was looking at me I don't care who was judging me. I don't care what they thought about when they saw me do it. I was in a life or death situation and I was hungry for God to touch my little girl. So I don't know who you are in this room today, but if you'll truly get desperate for the things of God, he's going to respond to that need. He's going to respond to that. If you'll truly be desperate. If you're desperate for God to do something in your life, I want you to come to this altar. Find a place to pray. I don't care who judges me. I don't care who looks at me. I don't care what they think about me. I'm hungry. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.